Hello everyone and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast. We're glad to have you from wherever you're listening around the United States and even around the world. We pray that God is ministering in your life. We pray that the Word of God that we're teaching and sharing with you is a ministry to you, to your life, and to those you're able to share it with. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Springston56 at gmail.com, MikeSpringstonMinistry.com, FFCMA.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's Messaging. Today we're going to speak to you uh, on how Jesus taught that prayer works according to John 14. And so... uh, Before we do that, we're going to go to God in a word of prayer, and uh, we want you to join in with us, and uh, uh, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We pray that you will open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear. We pray that you will allow us today to apply what we are learning so that what we are learning can change us into the image of your dear Son. We ask that you would speak to us out of the Holy Spirit and that Jesus would directly let the Spirit reveal and release to us what it is he once said concerning his own words and his own teaching. We'll give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. John 14, 10, Jesus speaking. In the hours before he is to be crucified, he says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. In the Father... And the Father in me is how Jesus described his relationship to the Father. This is a condition of which Jesus will bring into the relationship with the believers very shortly. For him to make this statement identifies where his power is produced. It's from him being in time, place, and state with the Father. And the Father being in time, place, and state with him. Of course, in this verse, there is the I am factor. This is the connection that Jesus has to the Godhead. God was the I am that I am, or I am that God to Israel. Jesus was I am the, or I am as you see me, the one who is attached to that God. Soon he would return to be part of the Godhead and move back into his role as I am that I am or I am that God. Jesus is saying that the rhema or the utterances of revelation that I'm speaking to you are coming from my Father. He is in me to do just that. He is in me not only to speak, but to do. The works that are done are his to do. I am his to use. Verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father, 
and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. He's saying, have faith, my friend. Believe in me. Believe that I am in tune with the Father. Believe that the Father is in me and is in tune as well with me. If it is not understandable, then consider the works. This statement, of course, identifies Jesus' humanity. As a man, he could be indwelled by God the Father. The Father could then use him to accomplish his works for the benefit of those who believe. It was the works that Jesus is pointing to, not himself. It is the indwelling Father of whom he knows is using him to do the works required at the moment in which they're necessary. Can the Godhead use a man in these ways today? Well, I believe absolutely. Man who realizes that he is indwelled and who will be surrendered to that indwelling has the promises that Jesus is speaking of in this passage. He has the plan, the place, and the promise. These are what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 14. The plan, the place, and the promise. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. There is the plan that man would encounter the heavenly economy. Then he said, I'm going to prepare for you a place. And then later when he speaks of the Holy Spirit, coming as the comforter, therein is the recognition and identification with the promise. The believer is subject to works if he has both the plan, all three, the plan, the place, and the promise. Then he is subject to works. Now what does that mean? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> A believer can be in the plan of God without being in the place or in the promise. How could that be, Pastor Mike? A believer can get saved and inherit the benefits of the plan of salvation. They can have their eternal home as planned for them and made ready for them, just as Jesus promised in John 14.1. They can live their life with that assurance as long as they maintain the conditions of following or keeping his commandments. However, there is also a place and a promise that one must receive in order for the indwelling Father and Son now to operate out of them. Now watch this. To surrender to the plan of God to be saved and to receive the benefits of salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the operation of the plan of God specifically for a believer. Here, the Holy Spirit quickens the spirit, and this makes man alive. The new birth, of course, becomes the awakening of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. From here, a believer experiences regeneration. He inherits the spirit of adoption. He becomes a child of God and has his eternal existence determined. This is the process for the acts that Jesus promised concerning the plan of God. It was the enactment of this plan that he was preparing for them in the abode of his father, of which he begins John 14. But there is more available, and in reality there is much 
more available. With the plan, of course, comes the benefits of salvation. The believer can be healed spiritually. He can be preserved in his spirit. In other words, his flesh can die. He can be delivered from physical and uh, uh, sickness and disease. He can be operated and can operate in the safety of the priesthood because of the blood of the Lamb. So man can be saved. He can have his spirit preserved, delivered from death, and healed physically and spiritually, and brought into the priesthood of worship. These are, of course, dynamic conditions that exist and are operational from the first four works associated with the cross. We know those. They're the cross, the operation against the flesh and the tomb, the resurrection and the deliverance there from death and hell, and then the priesthood, where Jesus sprinkled blood on the vessels of ministry so that we can come in and worship. These are engagements that assure the plan for the believer within the economy of eternity. However, there is more to be gathered and received in the divine purpose of God for the believer. The next two plateaus constitute the place and the promise that God has ordained as being given to Jesus Christ. When Paul says that we're accepted in the blood, he's referring to the steps of accomplishment that Jesus fulfilled of which we have already identified. We saw them in the cross, the tomb, the resurrection from the region of the damned, and Jesus presenting the blood as the high priest in the tabernacle made without hands. These have assured us that by believing we have done what was needed to be known as a child of God. But then in Ephesians 2, Paul makes another statement that we not only have to be conscious of, we have to deal with. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 through 6, Paul said, But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. Paul addresses the process that has quickened us together with Christ that makes us accepted in the beloved. Of course, that occurs by grace. We know that grace to be Jesus Christ. Because of him, the attachment of our faith to his work, him as grace, we're saved. Verse 6, And hath raised us up together, oh my, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Something is happening here. Paul then goes deeper. God has raised us up, my friends, to another level. He's made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now what's he saying here? He's given the control of heavenly places into the authority and the power that is in Christ Jesus as Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2 where he becomes the Lord, the exalted name that's given above every name and he became Lord. This designation now is the designation of all power and all authority. It's the designation that we know him as the exalted Lord and this is a newer and deeper dimension. This is the place where we're seated and actively involved in the conversations that are being engaged in and upon in the throne room of God. 
as we look at prayer, we can see very clearly now and easily why this is a part of being able to go in to the completion of greater works. From here we hear and see what the Father and the Son are doing. We are privileged to be there as the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. Now listen to what Jesus said in John 14, 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father be glorified. Verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. So we can begin to put together what the works were of Jesus that we would do, and how we would come into the identification with the greater works. So we see what is going on in the throne room of God and how our prayer influences and comes about to be the greater works. We hear and see what the Father and the Son are doing. We're privileged to be there. As the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf, we have the opportunity to know how the promises that are in Christ Jesus are being revealed that meet the needs of which we have expressed through the Holy Spirit. We also are privileged to see how healing and ministry is put into operation. Being seated in the heavenly audience allows us to say with Jesus, Now then I'll only do what I see and what I hear. All of this comes from the place that his lordship affords us. By understanding his lordship, we become the true ministers of the work that Jesus began to do and to teach. His lordship is a place that the believer must choose to go. It's not a required arena for man to inherit eternal life and be accepted in the beloved by being in the plan of God. But it was the place to which the apostles and disciples of Jesus went. We'll see that when we look into Matthew 28 and Mark 16. From here, the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word with signs following. From here, all of the ministry that Jesus did and does will be completed. Of course, the reason is obvious because it was the place from where they could see and hear what the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were doing. Now, Jesus obviously desired for us to come into this place because of what he said when he identified himself first to the apostles and disciples as Lord in Matthew 28. 28, 18, and Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power, there's his lordship, is given to me in heaven and earth. And Paul recorded that event in Philippians chapter 2. He identifies as Lord. Everything, everything, everything is now under my control, Jesus is saying. You also can operate in the Lordship of Jesus Christ and have control over, spiritual, over the spiritual and physical world if you will use his name to do it. That's what Jesus has prayed for us when he prayed in John 14, 13. If you use my name, you have the ability to teach my works. To those who believe, you'll bring the force of freedom to their faith. 
You'll bind on earth and it'll be bound in heaven. You'll loose on earth and it'll be loosed in heaven. My name will be the designated economy of both the spiritual world and the physical world. Just as money is the economy under which trade occurs in the natural world, my name will serve to be the trade that will change the elements of man from being a beggar, blind, bruised, broken, and in bondage and will bring them into the riches of the health and wellness that is in their spirit and will come to their body. It's a rags to riches in the economy of heaven. What an economical distance. Money can buy none of it. But the name of Jesus, the economy of prayer, the economy of heaven can purchase it all. He then said in verse 19 of Matthew 28, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He identifies the mission now that must be done because of his lordship. Teach the nations concerning the new economy of prayer. Teach them concerning the plan of God. Teach them concerning the place of God. Teach them concerning the promise of God. These things are culminated in the restoration of the Godhead. Teach them in verse 20 to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He identifies the totality of his message. Don't leave anything out. Don't leave anything about the plan out, the place out, nor the purpose. So it's clear from Jesus' teachings in John 5, uh, 5 in John, rather, 14, that he is describing the plan for man to be saved. That is, he is describing the place for man to be operating in his lordship. It is also clear that the promise that is given to man is necessary to do the task the way Jesus wants it done. So in John 14, he's describing the plan for man to be saved. He is further describing the place where man will have to operate in his lordship. Then he is telling us about the promise that will be necessary to complete the task the way Jesus wants it done. Prayer, my friend, has depths. We pray concerning his works that are accomplished in the first four plateaus, the cross, the tomb, the resurrection, and the priesthood. We then go deeper and pray concerning the things that are in the economy of God that are even greater. When we consider the ask, seek, and knock model, it's quite clear that God has rooms and doors that we must pass through in our spiritual journey. And that, of course, we see when we study the tabernacle in the wilderness. Knowing this concerning the five plateaus of the work of Jesus, Man must still go even deeper if he wishes to gain access into the greater works of prayer to which Jesus has described. Now we could get there into the first four works, the works that he does, the works that he did at the cross, the tomb, the resurrection, and his high priest. We can get there, but there is a deeper realm. That deeper realm includes the greater works. 
those greater works are encompassed in the next two acts, which are heavenly endued acts. His lordship was given to him as the exalted Lord. His position back in the Godhead was provided for him upon his successful journey to complete all of the works that God sent him to earth to accomplish and was he was replaced into his original position in the Godhead. Now, there can be, uh, with knowing these five plateaus, the four plateaus of salvation, the plateau then uh, number five of his lordship, and the plateau then number six of him being returned to the Godhead. These are the greater works, the lordship and the Godhead, to which Jesus is describing in John 14, 13, when he talks about, the, uh, John 14, 11, I believe it is, uh, 12, when he talks about the works and the greater works. We now need to understand both lordship and the Godhead to be able to take our prayer level into the greater works. Of course, we know according to Paul's writing in Colossians 2, there can be no completeness if we don't understand him in the role of the Godhead. From the Godhead, Jesus sent us the promise. The Lordship gave us the place. The Godhead gave us the promise. From this promise, Jesus releases the endowment of power that brings about the greater works. The greater works are done when the Father and the Son are in the believer and released to use the believer for the completion of the operations required to minister to mankind. This is described for us in Mark 16. And he said unto them, verse 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The gospel includes all of the works of Jesus Christ. The work of the cross, the work of the tomb, the work of the resurrection, the work of the high priest. But it also includes the work of him as lordship, in lordship, and the work of him as the man returned into the Godhead bodily. This work includes the work that comes from his prophecy to his life, to his ministry, to his messaging, to the cross, and through all of the works that were completed leading to his return to the Godhead. Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to show the world the Father. Be the legal sacrifice for sin. Be the favor of God to mankind. Expose the plan of salvation to man. Operate for mankind through the works of his name and ultimately be returned to the Godhead bodily there to produce the promise of God whereby he could serve as advocate, mediator, and intercessor. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Believing that leads to being saved is the reason for the ministry. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast down devils, speak with new tongues. If they take up, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. From this messaging that he was sharing with the followers, these men who would continue to do and to teach what he had begun to do, there would be the release of the promise. That promise would give the believer power. 
That power would cause them to be able to bring the things that Jesus had conquered under, the, under control. The demonic would be controlled. The tongue would be controlled. The external world would be controlled. The internal world would be controlled. And those to whom the ministry was offered could have the power transferred into their need concerning the healing of the body. My friends, this was a dynamic revelation for the believer. This is where you could go in prayer. This is the life that prayer can bring to you from Jesus Christ. Verse 19, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right of God, that right hand of God. Now watch this. The place that has been released to us in his lordship is about to be coupled with a promise. The promise is the promise of the Father. It is the encompassing, engulfing, and encouraging impartation of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is speaking concerning this release in John 14 while he is teaching them concerning prayer. Now in Acts 2.33, Paul, uh, uh, Peter put it this way, Therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, now watch, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. What a thing. You can see the plan unfold in the first four plateaus of the work from the cross to the tomb to the resurrection to the high priesthood. You can see the fifth plateau of the place where the lordship, all authority, is taking place. And now you can see the promise. All of these things coming together to allow Mark 16, 20 to fall into place. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. In verse 20, And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. How does this promise come into operation for the believer? When the believer yields to the presence of the Holy Spirit, this infilling produces directly from the believer the words and the mind of Christ. Now think about that. Because Jesus is speaking directly through you when the Holy Spirit is speaking. So when you're in the Spirit, Guess where you are? You're in the mind of Christ. Now this requires the following. The believer must accept the fact that the Holy Spirit is promised to them for the purpose of service and witness. They must accept the fact that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a second work of the Holy Spirit. They must be prepared in their spirit and mind for the infilling. They must understand that they will speak the utterance of the rhema of the Spirit. They must understand that when the Holy Spirit is speaking, it is the words of Jesus coming from his position in the Godhead. You want to know how to have the mind of Christ? Then get into the Spirit and begin to speak in the Spirit. The result of the infilling is the ability to be used by Jesus in the nine gifts of the Spirit. So in John 14 we see the distinct works of the Holy Spirit in operation from the teaching of Jesus. We see the plan for being saved. We see the place 
that you go in His Lordship. And then we see the promise that is imparted to us from His position as man in the Godhead. Now watch verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also a greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. Jesus has moved into what will constitute the promise. The promise is the productions for which you are manufactured, according to Ephesians 2.10, and ordained to good works. Now watch the two distinct references to the works. One is the works that I do. The second is the greater work. The greater work is the work that is bestowed upon him. The first four works were works that he did. The cross, the tomb, the resurrection, and the priestly acts. But when we get to his lordship and his place in the Godhead, those are acts that are bestowed upon him, returned to him. They're not works that he did, they're works that are bestowed to him. Do you see that? So what was the work that he did? It was the work of bringing lost humanity to know the Father. How did he do that? He lived, ministered, and died on the cross. The cross was the catalyst of the events that redeemed man. This work of sharing the redemption power is a work that all believers can do. The work that I do is the act of, of labor or deed. Here he's referring to the cross. You'll do what uh, that work also. Paul agreed with that when he spoke of the fact that he was crucified with Christ in Galatians 2. We also will die with him. We will live with him. We will lead others to him. So the work of redemption has become a mutual work. It's termed as works because there was more to the plan of God for mankind than just the cross. The inclusion of each step of Jesus incorporates his work. So these become the works that he did and the works that you should do also. Now, I'm going to conclude right there with this session and pick this up as I go into what the greater works are in our next podcast. God, I pray that you will minister. Touch, open eyes so that we can see what Jesus is teaching us concerning the plan, the place, the purpose, the ability to pray and how we should expect prayer to work based on the six plateau engagements of Jesus Christ with us. Bless us now, I pray in the lovely name of Jesus, and we'll give you glory and honor in Jesus' wonderful name. God bless you. Contact me. We're, we appreciate seeing you download our information. We'd love to hear from you. May God bless you richly until we speak again.